The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Many of us have been cooking more at home, and if you're feeling bored with your current favorites, branch out with some Minnesota-made products. When you shop local, your dollars stay in our community and support the local small businesses and farmers that live in our community. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and I buy my Salad Girl blueberry basil dressing at the co-op. I toss it on my local salad greens that I buy in bulk, and I toss in some local Alamer cheese and some nuts. And I also love the fresh ground turkey that they have at Lake Winds that's free of additives or added growth hormones. I make a delicious turkey meatball soup with fresh kale and taking stock chicken bone broth that's full of nutrients and also made in Minnesota. I'm getting the freshest locally produced Hope Creamery butter for simple veggie sautés that are great in the spring with asparagus, mushrooms, or spinach. And Lakewinds has the best grilling meats from local pasture-raised animals. Find ways to experiment with new flavors, sauces, and locally made products that you can only find at Lakewinds Food Co-ops in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield, or by ordering online at lakewinds.com. Dish on my talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Good and morning, friends. Thanks for joining us, you guys, today on this beautiful, actually quite a stunning day outside. It is. And yesterday ended up to be a pretty lovely day. Did I it? didn't get outside too much. I, I but... wasn't outside at all yesterday. <laughs> my weather reports are like, oh, I'm driving now to the station because that's what I know now. Yeah, and we're outside and there's no traffic. <laughs> wow, there's no traffic. Although, here's the deal. I don't know if you've read about this in LA. But they've had more speeding tickets for over 100 miles an hour, like in the last three weeks than they have all of last year. That's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> it's like people that means are everybody just... is just like taking it pedal to the metal yep. open roads. Well, especially L.A. where you are bumper to bumper. I mean, can you get over 55 miles an hour in L.A.? I no, don't think you can. Not. No. So, and they all have the fancy cars, so right. you want to so test them out. So let's use them. I know. And since you can't really do anything else, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, are you, I never know if these are fake or real. All of the, look at the smog has lifted over China and you can see the Himalayan mountains or the dolphins are back in the canals in Venice. Some of those I'm are like, real. And I don't some even of those think are there are real. dolphins that would be. Well, there are. I mean, like some of those are like the idea of how you can see the clear water for the first time in ages in Venice. You know, the you can see the bottom uh-huh. and the fish. Well, that's because the boats aren't churning all the stuff up. It's not necessarily right. because the water is magically cleaner. Um, but. And I do hear that they are, you can see the Himalayas, you know, in like Punjab. And so I do think that the smog situation is real. And, you know, people in L.A. are reporting, you know, better sight lines and stuff. It is so quiet, too. Like, just it feels quiet. Yeah. Oh, come out to my house. (laughs) Is it birdies and froggies? So much birdie and froggy. I'm happy for that. Do you think you're noticing it more because there isn't noise of other things or is it the same? No. I think we're out there pretty, I mean, like, that's why we're out there, you know, in a weird way. Um, I will think that there's um, more sitting around in it, which is nice. And I think, you know, I go for my morning runs on Sundays, especially. And those have been beautiful because it's just, I mean, I, I passed one person last Sunday and zero cars. Yeah. And that's kind of, and I was out for 40 minutes. So that's like, 
I, I, I don't mind that, you know, and that's not, you know, atypical out there, but it is a little bit more. It's just a little bit more noticeable, let's say. For those of you that have run in your life and maybe have come back to it as of late, like myself, it's funny and fun to watch the runner people because there's a lot of new people to the sport. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I like that. They're out there in the, you can tell like when they have like the old man sweatpants, you know? It's just... Not even that. Honestly, for me, it's like, here's here's our etiquette, gang. Let's remember if you're on the street, if you're running on the street, you're in the against traffic. Like, so you have to be on the left side. If you then turn onto a trail, you can be on the right side. That's a hard thing to get. I get it. But like, that's the weird part of running on the on the left side of the street so that I can see the cars coming at me and there's people running at me. I'm like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> You're supposed to be over there in Beverly Hills. They have mandated that everybody wear masks when they go outside. Yeah. And I would really like it if we can keep the social distancing up because I can't run in a mask. I, I can't can barely in walk in one. No, because I cannot. I breathe. could barely walk up the stairs to the studio today in mine, <laughs> which I love it. I got my B.A. Craft Made apron mask this week, which we talked about last week on the show. And it's you know, I got three. One for me, one for Jake, and one for my mom. And uh, mine is like barely fits my peanut head, right? Because yeah. I have a teeny head, but it does. I made it work. And then I haven't given one to my mom yet, but Jake's, I mean, like, forget it. His massive melon. No way. Is that mask going to fit on there? I didn't even think about that. He put it on. And it was like, well, I can either choose to cover my nose or my beard and my mouth. And then he's like, and he's stretching it so hard between his ears that he was like, oh, he's like, it's not going to work. Have you seen the lady with the under ladies underpants that she makes into a mask? No, because I thought that that could be a solution for Jake because it literally (laughs) (laughs) goes. I just don't know. The crotch part kind of goes like. It forms like the legs form yeah, eye hole, like, but the crotch and then you part. Tuck it around. Yep. I feel like I might have my own certain trauma of. Uh, I feel like <laughs> he will have trauma, and then I will have mask. trauma. <laughs> I think there will be a lot of trauma involved with that mask. So I'm going to say no. He actually has. I know this is like one of the faux pas of the mask world, but he has. Because he's a, he's a graffiti artist, so he has a respirator mask. Like Great, he's, he's got the big old thing, and so I'm like, you at have this to... point, there are no faux pas. Well, because you know people I mean? were ripping on it before, and I was like, just wear it, just go yeah. out whenever you're out. Just and by the way, it. the government lied. Like we should have been wearing masks all along. <laughs> they just didn't want to run on it for the healthcare workers, which just... I'm sympathetic right. and I understand. Right, and for all the people making masks, awesome. I ended up at Stellar Handcrafted Goods, which is the lady that I podcasted with on Makers in Minnesota a while ago. And she lives over in Elliott Park, and she's got a table out on her front porch, and they're all laid out oh, there. Get out. And you leave your money in the mailbox, or you Venmo her. It's kind of on the honor system. It's a really sweet system. That's so we nice. went and a lot of people are making masks, masks who are, you know, able to sew, and I'm appreciative of that. My daughter, Megan, is making some for us. She said her sewing needle machine broke, so she's working on that. But then my mom's, uh, my second Oma, my Carol, is also making some. So Thank you, Carol. Happy for all of that. Happy for all of that. Um, should we talk about something that we ate this week? Yes, because I saw what you ate, and it looked delicious. Oh, my God. I forgot that I'm missing some, like, you know, you get into a food rut. I don't know if you guys are in this on this with me, but I mean, like, I'm literally like, okay, pasta. Okay, let's do some rice. Let's do some things. And I just have been missing something. We've been missing sushi. 
And I, you know, we do a supermarket sushi every once in a while, like a little Lund sushi. And that's fine. It's just not great. It's always too cold. It doesn't have a lot of good, you know, it's yeah. just not. It's like it, it all tastes kind of the same. Yeah. And it fills the need when you have it. But so I ended up going, uh, calling up Lucky Street last night. And this is not Lucky Cricket. A lot of people mistake these two, but this is Lucky Street and it's in Plymouth. And uh, it's uh, it's Lisa, somebody who I just can't remember from Tiger Sushi, is one of the owners of it. Lisa Edel, well, Edelwold might have been her married name. Oh, yeah, right. There's another one. Anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry, Lisa. Uh, but who cares? Because Lucky Street is the name of the cute little restaurant in Plymouth off of uh, 101. And it's, um, I got to tell you, it was like, they were jammed and I felt bad for them. We ordered kind of late. Um, but, you know, Jake went to go pick it up and... We had some great little sushi rolls, and then we had this spicy tiger beef salad. And it was cold beef, but it was perfectly done. It was like just had a little bit of pink in it. And it was, uh, you know, tossed with a really spicy sauce with onions and mint and red peppers. And it was just like, man, that just lit me up. And I was just happy to have my mouth burning like crazy from it. So. If you guys are looking for something a little bit spicy, but not, but still fresh, really fresh and very satisfying, Lucky Street in Plymouth is my go right now. I did the, you know how we, a couple things. We talked about that I was going to make meatloaf last week. Mm-hmm. Someone texted me or sent me a. No, it was on instant I, the messenger. Cajun. Yeah. Yeah. It was on, it was on, on the show. She it was, was on like, Twitter. The Paul Perdome yeah. Cajun meatloaf recipe is amazing. I think amazing. it was Ladykin. And I happened to have that cookbook. So I was like, huh. So I get the cookbook and it calls for evaporated milk, which Ooh. of course I happen to have of as a course. pantry staple as a pandemic preparer. That's right. So I was like, oh, well, this will give me an opportunity to use that. So I made Paul Perdome's Cajun meatloaf, which I will uh, see if I can find the recipe and post it. It was fantastic. Um, it was great. Amazing. Sounding. Yeah, it was really great. Like probably the best meatloaf I've ever made. Really? Yeah. And then um, I also did the thing where I talked about last weekend where you roast some big hunk of meat. Yeah. And then you have the grains, you have the beans, you have a vinaigrette, some greens. So I roasted a chicken and we had roast chicken and then I made some wild rice and then we had lentils and we had greens and vinaigrette. So throughout the week I was kind of making different variations on salads. Yeah. And then putting the cold chicken on the salads. And then it got to the end and I just made an omelet and put the rest of the greens on top and put the rest of the wild rice and the lentils inside the omelet with some goat cheese. So I literally got four meals out of that. Wow. Yeah. And then omelets are also a thing right now. And easy. Yeah. Well, I'm eating an egg every day for sure. Like done. I'm not eating enough eggs. You what? I'm not eating enough eggs. Normally that's my go-to. And yeah. Um, I'm also not expending like hardly any calories <laughs> other than running. I'm well, that like, is the thing. running is at least something. Okay. But like normally you walk during the day, right? You move around, you get in and out of your car. Like this is a thing for days, me. Too. I'm just like, bad. wow, I've sat in this chair for six hours and running is the only 40 minutes of moving I'm having. <laughs> so I don't need as many calories. Oh my God. I literally on Thursday, I got up. At 8 a.m. and started a phone interview with Ann Kim, and I did not stop writing or being at my computer until 2 a.m. that same day. Oh, yeah. I, I left the chair day. to go to the bathroom to get <laughs> beverages and to, like, make some dinner quickly. That's it. Like, that was a that was a tough one. That's but a long that's, time. I know. And then you realize it. And you're like, man. So today I told Jake, we are outside. When I get home, we are outside the entire time. Yeah, I'm going to burn stuff. a bunch of stuff. So. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what I was writing on that day, actually, that big 18-hour day of writing, about uh, some stuff that we have to think about as far as the return of restaurant life. So I talked to some chefs and some owners, and we're just going to discuss that next. So we'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. That is maybe a perfect musical segue. (laughs) Sometimes maybe good things fall apart. Uh, Welcome back to Weekly Dish, you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Um, We are in a weird space, right, in this world, and we are so glad to have people to reach out to, and we hope that listening to us on Saturday mornings is, or whenever you dial us in, is uh, just a bit of a balm, you know, for thinking about things. But we're going to make you think a little bit about something right now. I did tell... Stephanie, when I came into the studio, I said, oh, are you ready to talk about sad Easter? Yeah. She goes, no, nope, no, nope, nope, we're not, we're not talking it. about sad Easter. I take- Can you talk about it without? I'm like, nope. And then I got a tear. Yeah. And we've moved past. Yeah, it's OK. And not I get it. Easter. And we're all and I, I mean, my role in my life is always to lift everybody up and cheerlead. That's just what I do. So who picks you up when you're on the ground in a puddly mess and you've eaten all your chocolates on Friday at two o'clock in the afternoon with no motivation. Her name is Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> That's so unhealthy and beautiful. I'm, and I'm only kidding. I'm really only kidding. Honestly, I you You're know, sort of I find kidding. my space and I and actually I call some people and you know okay. it's good. We're good. But here's the deal, you guys. I want to talk a little bit about I wrote this article um because I, I ended up This week, so let's just track back to the fact that it was exactly four weeks ago that we were sitting here and Mike Brown was on our radio show and told us that Travail was not going to open. Which was one of the saddest days ever on this radio show. Yeah. Do you remember how sad that was for him? And we just were staring at each other like, oh my gosh. Yeah. He just let go all his staff. And like there was nothing to say. No. There was no bow we could wrap it up with. We Mm-mm. just kind of were like, okay, and we're going to go to break. Yeah. And then just looked at each other like, oh. And then we had no idea even. <laughs> like, I feel like even though we knew stuff was coming, I still feel like I had no idea really what that would I don't think we could. Like. I mean, even as pandemic preparing as I was in February, I didn't realize that right. I was really going to need all this stuff. Right. Like, legit need it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that there's something to say about the fact that what's happened in four weeks has been kind of, you know, eye opening and and the fact that we've lost, you know, I mean, we've closed all of our bars and our restaurants and made them pivot to an entirely new model of business for some of them. And and we but we've seen workers restaurants as essential. And I think that to us, especially on this show, is important to to not to acknowledge because you know in this world where we kind of for me you all know that i've always thought that restaurant industry kind of gets a you know they don't really see it as a real job and people, short trip. yeah and people sort of see it this service as sort of a uh, thing and all of a sudden now people are like whoa what if we don't have that we have to have that and so it's become this really interesting a pivot, which is the word of the month, I think. Pivot is or how. new normal. New normal, and I think we went from curated to pivot. You know, everything was curated, and now everything is pivot. But honestly, we've gone from this whole reaction and panic, and now I think it's settled in as far as like the takeout and everything. People are kind of getting their vibe and their lane with it, and now I think everyone has started to think about well, what's next, really, and so. I actually called up three of our local chefs who I think are 
forward thinkers and people who are looking and who are kind of really looking at things. And uh, Gavin was the first one I called. And he, Gavin Kaysen of Spoon and Stable and Belcour, and he really, I, you know, I had had inklings of it. His Allison Arth, who was a partner with him in many things, uh, you know, how they're doing the foundation and everything else. She had posted on her Instagram that she was seeing this as, you know, as she's mourning her life as an industry person, like, what does this look like, you know, and what are, what does this go through? Mm -hmm. And so looking through and talking with all of these guys, I talked with Ann Kim and I talked with uh, Tim Niver from St. Dinette, who's also been on the show many times. Um, And it's different, you know, and I think a lot of people aren't ready for the fact. And quite honestly, can I tell you that there is that article in city pages, which was like, what is the first thing you're going to do? Or what do you miss the most? Right. And it like that broke my heart more than anything, I think, because I felt like everybody thinks that they're going to go back to sitting at the bar and having like whenever they want and having whatever they want and all this kind of stuff. And it that broke my heart more than anything, because it to me, it showed you guys don't get it. This isn't coming back the same way. Right. And I think the hardest part for me is that I know that restaurants are, are feeling this. And if the dining public isn't feeling that, then we're going to have, we need to come to grips. We need to see the truth of the fact that we're not going to have, you're not going to be allowed to go to your favorite restaurant when it's open again, like necessarily right away. And a lot of the places like Tim Niver said, he's going to stay, um, he's going to stay doing takeout for a while. Because that's the model that is, he knows that those people who still will want to feel safe in their homes. And so for him, even when the restrictions loosen, he's going to do takeout and then he's going to slowly start adding tables back in. And then he's slowly going to start doing actual service with more people. And it's going to be a hybrid. How does that make you feel? I feel like it's inevitably coming. Um, I feel like the... Well, a couple things. You started out by talking about that the industry is being recognized as essential. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever have the opportunity to not pay health care work to these workers, which that's really long time coming, right? If yeah. somebody is working at your place, they deserve health care. They deserve to have some paid time off. Not having sick days seems really archaic in light of all of that's happened, like you want to encourage people when they're sick and they're preparing food to stay home. Like that, that was even a thing. seems real odd. Yeah. And then moving forward, I do think that we are, until we have testing mechanisms, until we have um, tests and until we can understand who carries these viruses and who doesn't, which Sadly, we should already be moving towards that in a much faster fashion, but we're not. And I understand it just takes some time. The restaurants are going to not be able to act in the same way that they did. No. And in fact, Gavin pointed out a really good point about how the burden of, um, you know, the, the, the burden of all this is very heavy for restaurants right now. You know, that's a, the, the workforce that has been eliminated in that industry alone. You know, it's it's a massive toll for the unemployment. Right. Yep. So they're bearing this huge burden of this. You know, it was like, you know, as walls and, and the government shut down restaurants and bars first basically before anybody else and service industry. And I'm really talking about hospitality, which includes hotels and all that rest. But what we're saying is that, you know, they're also going to have to bear that burden even more when they open again. And that is an interesting thought because think about it. What are they going to do? Can they take, so they're going to say restrictions are loosened and then they as hospitality people have to police their guests. 
Like, I'm sorry, you can't stand in this spot. There's only six bar stools and there's only supposed to be six people at the bar. People who are used to saying, what can I get for you? How can I deliver yep. what you need are now having to say, will, they will have to say, I'm sorry, you can't have that. And I'm sorry, you can't And be I here. was thinking about that. I was like, are those booths with the like full booths with the high backs coming right. back? Because then you can be kind of in your enclosed space. Are you going to have to screw down bar stools or bar so seats? Scooch closer. Yep, six feet apart. And mm-hmm. then who's gonna? I don't know. Right. It's it's just until we have better testing mechanisms and a better understanding of this disease, which I think is eighteen months to two years out. So, what do you think is? I mean, there there will be a loosening up of restrictions, and there will be. I mm-hmm. think that to understand that the cadence will roll. What do you think? I mean, like your gut right now, what do you think is the day that people will be able to sit in a in a tap room and have a beer? How many people in a tap room? Let's just say when they say you're allowed to be in a tap room having a beer, you are. Maybe you win a lottery. Maybe you don't. What's your day? June 18th. Okay. Mine is August 1st. <laughs> All right, you guys, I know it's heavy stuff, but I, what I want you to know is that the good news is, is that out of this, there is a creative solution for a lot of it. And a lot of people are going to change and do really good things coming out of it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have some other fun stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. I'm Steph March here with Steph Hansen. And uh, I just wanted to continue with that segment we were just talking because I left it on a downer. And I want to make sure that (laughs) you understand that if you do read this article, and I really hope you do and hope, can you put that? I don't think I posted it. So if you want to post it on the the Facebook page, that'd be great. But it's at mspmag.com if you want to. But the thing that I guess I want to come back around to is the fact that this is a chance. These All these restaurateurs are taking a moment to look at what it means to be a restaurateur. What it means to uh, to think about. I love the fact that Tim Niver sat his team down and he said, what do you want your life to be? Right. He said, what do you what is it that you think that you want your life to be? And uh, he and now is the time that you can make it. Yeah. And I feel like he that giving them that opportunity to think that they can create they have to create something on the other side of this and they have the chance to then define that. And I think that there's a lot of these restaurateurs and Kim said it too. She said, you know, we've talked internally for years about how this life is unsustainable for so many people in this business and how we have a chance right now to figure out how can we make this better? How can we make this better for everybody so that, you know, like Tim Niver said too, it's not, you know, the idea that every restaurant is only three months away from closing. And I know that you think that maybe just the small ones and the ones who are doing, having a tough time in business, I'm going to here to tell you that it's almost all of them. Yeah. It's, I've literally talked, I'm not going to out the names, but some names that you would be surprised at some high level restaurants look at me and say, yeah, no, if, if I, if four months go and I can't hit the things that I need to hit, we're done. So I want you to think about this in terms of the fact that I want you to feel like you have hope for this industry because I feel like they are, there's a lot of people who are thinking creatively and innovatively and trying to be inspired by the fact that everybody is in this at the same time. Like this is across the board, a reset. And maybe there's people who are not going to come out of this and that's the hardest part of it. There's a lot of people who aren't coming back, but there's uh, people who will and hopefully it'll be more beneficial and more Uh, solid and steady so that we don't have to go through this again. If you think about it like that. 
And this is like a terrible way to think about this, too. But maybe we had too many restaurants. I don't know. Maybe we had too much choice. I don't. Maybe yeah. if it consolidates into 70 percent of what we had, but they can stay busier and more employable and have a better sustainable model. Maybe that's OK. Well, I mean, I that's think- just the natural laws of competition. And- yeah. Yeah, and I don't. I, I I tend to think of it more in terms of like we as diners have to rejigger our thoughts about what things cost. And oh, for sure. I mean, we aren't you noticing food costs already going up? Oh yeah, but I mean, and that's the thing is like I have to think about that, and then I have to think about what that means for you know. And this is one of the things that they all talked about was margin, and that is a profit. You know how much things cost and how much they make off of the things, and you know with restaurants, the huge is labor is a huge piece of it, and and the tipping model. This all factors into a storm of where they're not making enough money necessarily to be able to survive the long term. Like Niver said, you know, last year there was two months of winter that nearly crippled a lot of them. This year there's a four month pandemic. You know, it's like, how do you how do you build something so that you're going to survive it? And I wonder if like you look at Danny Meyer and Shake Shack as an example, you know, 1200 employees that he laid off basically in one day. I wonder if is it going to be a model where it's all the big people survive and then there's a few little that can do it more efficiently, you know, like, I I don't know. Or is it that the big can't survive anymore? That that bigness just doesn't really play. Mm -hmm. And so then it's really entrepreneurial and it's all small. Right. Like, I think it's, I think that, and I think that they will have, I think we'll have a chunk and the majority of the of our dining scene will be rejiggered and re-engineered so that people have a quality of life and people are making money and people are not and they have mental health and all of this kind of and health provided. I think that's the core. And then you're going to have like the smaller places that are just going to do the same. They're going to go back to like, you know, like I'm thinking like town bars and stuff like that. You know, they're going to be the same as they were. And there's going to be little spots here and there, independent one offs and all those kind of things. Those are going to go back to essentially the same idea. And you're going to have a hand sanitizer yeah. at every place when you walk in and walk out. Yeah. I, I can tell you, my husband and I were talking about when you're in a bar or a restaurant and you see someone like sneeze or cough. Like, can you imagine what that's going to be like? No, I know. Well, it's going to be mean, just, and people are going to do it. People have allergies. People are going to, you know, I don't know. It's just like if you're sitting somewhere and someone sneezes, how, or you're the sneezer. Yeah. We're going to have like all this public shaming. Well, there's, yeah, there's already public shaming of people <laughs> walking together in streets and everything else. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, I don't know. And that's like, I don't, I don't know. Are, are you going to be okay with servers and face masks? Are you going to be, are you going to be okay when you're at work and your coworker comes sick because they're trying to finish a project? I mean, honestly, we've all worked sick. Oh my God. And you're like feeling like, oh, I got to get this project out and oh, I can't miss work. And will we ever go to work sick again? And if we don't, you know, is five sick days enough for most people in a year between you, your family and your kids? No. Right. Like if we really don't want to come to work sick. I think that there is a, well, and beyond this, the re, the world of remote working is completely going to change. I mean, I know that there's a lot of offices. I've spoken to a lot of people, not in the restaurant industry, in other industries and who have said, wow, our, you know, our companies have really realized how much work we can get done remotely. I'm worried a little bit about the commercial real estate market for sure, because I think that no one is going to want to go and throw down, you know, thousands of dollars for 31,000 square feet of office when they can 
settle for maybe seven or eight and yep. have core individuals like the accounting departments and everything else doing their thing and other people, you know, or sharing space. We're like, okay, well, we're only coming in on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but this part of the office comes in on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's smart. And I think that that's an, that's, again, it's a creative and innovative idea that because we've had this weird reset that we didn't choose, we didn't pick, we weren't ready for it. There's a potential for an interesting twist to come out of it. Uh, what I would like to see too, as long as we're just kind of brainstorming, yeah. You know, the Amazon model's fine. It works. I'd like to see there be a lot more localness to something like that. Like, why can't we have Amazon but just local products and somebody drives them around or uses the, like, I don't like how national this all is. And I don't like all this packaging. And I I want there to be someone that will rise up and figure out a way to do this that I can get honey and I can get some local meat and, you know, I don't have to order it from 10 farms in oh. order to bring it to me. I was going to say, you have that. There are, I mean, there was Katie Myrie's thing, you know, for a while, but it's a delivery aspect. I know that that's a piece of it for a lot of people. Will somebody create a warehouse? Like, or I don't but know. Can you warehouse? I mean, that's the thing is like, can you really warehouse that fresh quality meat like that? I don't know. I know. We are going to have a farm on next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about how ordering, how farms are pivoting and how ordering directly from farms is something that I think is we're going to see a lot more of it because the restaurants, the ripple effect of the restaurants, of course, is that local farms are like, well, I, uh, I have all this stuff and um, I was growing it for you and now you're not using it. Like Meritage, for instance, you heard about the ducks, right? Yes. So- and I actually, in top two, an hour two, I have a, a farm that I talked to too, Iron Shoe Farm that oh, makes yeah. all the microgreens. Yep. We did a Makers of Minnesota podcast and, you know, 90% of her produce, her microgreens were grown, ready to go, boxed up, ready to deliver to the restaurants. And in one day, all that business, $16,000 just went by. Right. Exactly. And that was for the week. Yeah, that was for the week. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you know, uh, one of the ways we can help, of course, is CSAs. And I think we'll talk about that next week, too, Mm -hmm. just to kind of have a better source for that for you guys. Um, But for Meritage, if you don't know, they are doing whole ducks. And they're selling ducks from Oba and Canard Farm. And you can buy either duck legs or duck breasts or just the duck fat. And you can uh, buy foie gras and you can buy whole ducks. And Russell has got a whole bunch of videos out to um, <laughs> to show you how to cook. He's a little bummed. He's like, stop sending those videos out. Because <laughs> they're cute, I think. But anyway, um, so that's the thing that I think is the next thing, the ripple effect as far as like supporting local farms who are now, you know, having to deal with the restaurant closures like us. But And also farmer's markets are a little bit squidgy right now because they don't know, you know, the Minneapolis farmer's market is open and you can, you know, they're doing um, distancing and everything else. But I think, I don't know if we're going to ever feel that. Think about that. Going to the farmer's market this summer where like you have to bump into everybody and, you know, those little narrow pathways. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about that because Stone Arch Festival that I work on has been moved to September. So I was like, okay, as we do a site plan, are we going to like have booths six feet apart? Yeah. Like, you we're going to do that. something. We're just trying to figure out what that something looks like. Right. And and some people I know are like, I'm never going to any of these things ever again. Yeah. And other people are like, I cannot wait I cannot to wait. go to any of these things. Right. And I cannot wait to throw money. I mean, I, I bought one tank of gas in a month. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> a buck 70. I was like, what? So gas, like I'm barely using and it costs nothing. But then chicken thighs, which really are the kind of crappy. I love a chicken thigh, but in the grocery store, there's perceived as the crappy part of the chicken. Yeah. You know, I'm now paying eight dollars for four. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's just interesting how our our disposable income will rejigger too, right? right. Everything's going to flip around. And and I just have you lost weight? I don't know. I don't weigh myself. Remember? Okay, because Stephanie, the weight is like coming off, and it's not because <laughs> it's because I'm not eating five restaurant meals a yeah, week. It's crazy. I know. Or drinking as much. I don't yeah, know. I, I think, think I'm drinking for me, as much. I'm drinking a lot less. <laughs> I think I'm drinking twice as much. Oh, are you really? Yeah. I, I mean, know. I tried to get a handle on it this week, and I would say I was marginally successful. Uh, there you go. But next week's here. Next week's here. You know, it's a new day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So we want to open up to calls. If you guys have comments, you have concerns, you want to air some, you know, things, you know, we you will have a pantry item we, we like will pay, molasses. You're yeah. wondering what to do with it. We will play the pantry game with you. If you want to do that, we have that opportunity. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, gang. 651-641-1071. If you want to give us a call, that was my son. You sounded like Eeyore. 1071. That's my... Uh, by the way, Jake That's does this... Sad. Jake what does is it this from vo- Joy? Or, um, no, um, it's the four characters that all played emotions. Oh, in that... Yes, in the Disney Pixar movie that was yeah. so awesome. Yeah, can't remember okay, it. Right. Sorry, I'm sure you guys are screaming at your radio right now when that happens. Yes. Um, but Jake does this weird like voice, like it's a comes from like I guess a Korean video th- thing, and is like, oh yeah, I can't do it. I won't do it anyway. <laughs> every time he answers a question that I ask him with that, it lays me on the floor. I laugh so hard. So small moments, kids. Small moments. Six five one six four one. 1071, if you want to give us a call and talk about things. Um, uh, one thing I want to know is how many of you have bought chickens? Because I got to tell you, there's a run on chickens. Do you know this? I feel like there's going to be a run on lots of meat as these meatpacking plants no, have no, no. to. No, no, no. This is about eggs. We're not oh. talking about meat. We're talking oh, about real eggs. Chickens. I'm talking about live baby chicks. People, I did know this. People are buying the chicks. Like crazy. We're also going to have the victory gardens. Yes. Yes. But okay, let's go to chickens for a second, because if you think about it, victory gardens are great. And, you know, there is definitely, uh, by the way, burpee seeds catalogs are gone and burpee seeds are having like they're also saying there's a high demand and we'll have to like get back to you. So (laughs) what I'm trying to tell you is that that's fine. Like, I feel like you can mess up your garden and whatever but chickens like that's a those are lies it's a commitment but those are lies you have to it's then like think buying about a pet, but look at all the people that have added pets to their family this is the statement i'm about to make chickens are the foodest version of the pets <laughs> yes. like all the puppies that people are buying chickens are the foodest version of that and even step down are the i said this on my cocktail thing yesterday scallions regrowing scallions are also the foodest version of puppies now i've been trying to do the regrowing of the scallions but i think the first i chopped off all the greens on the first one yeah you just have to give enough of a nub you can't make it like this how like can you cut all the green off and the green will still emerge from the yeah. top of the whites yeah okay i'm still waiting for that okay do you they're in water right yes okay yes and they're standing straight up like yes, in a little and i've jar. been changing the water and oh don't change the water you don't have to change the water Okay. Just keep filling it. Just add some more once they drink it okay. up and you're good. All right. Yeah. No, you're, it's, uh, it's definitely, it should be working. Mine have already started to like poke up a little bit. Okay. I know. I'm excited. But I don't know how long it takes to grow scallions. I don't actually either, but that's a thing foodists are doing. There's, I've been trying to find this and I was going to make you guys a quarantine bingo, but I didn't quite get it done. We so, will. 
We'll get it done. But here's the deal. I think with the foodist quarantine bingo, growing scallions is a square. I think baking bread from scratch <laughs> is a square. Uh, foraging yeast is a square. Um, what are some, oh, Dutch babies? The, that's a square. I'm, I totally did a Dutch baby for lunch, and everybody's doing Dutch babies now. Oh, yeah. Do you know Dutch that? babies. Um, I have been cooking with weird pantry ingredients, so I've used evaporated milk. I've used a can of Libby's pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Um, I have used molasses. Yes. There it is. These are, yeah, like like strange combinations. Yep. Yep. I have a little duck fat in the refrigerator. I might make some potatoes with that coming up. That's good. Why does everybody make potatoes with duck fat? Like duck fat potatoes is a thing. Why not duck fat rutabaga? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, but I don't have rutabaga. I know. It's so funny. I feel like duck fat potatoes is like a thing, but like duck fat, no other vegetable. Like that's not a thing. 651-641-1071 if you want to call and ask us any questions. Yeah. Or if you want the pantry game, this would be your time to call to look at yes. your pantry. And if you're thinking, what should I have for dinner? You're looking at your fridge. It can be your fridge too, not just your pantry, but like. You know, what are the things that you're looking at thinking? I had I a bag of frozen corn, which I don't ever really buy frozen vegetables too much. Right. And, you know, they're perfectly good for you. But so I had this sort of sad corn and I was like, huh, what am I going to do with it? Did you know, because I have jalapenos and Thai chilies frozen. Oh. And I just pull one out and you let it sit on the counter for like five minutes and it gets soft enough to cut it. Yeah. So I made like a chicken or a corn jalapeno. I had a half of a zucchini butter and lime juice. So I made like a a melange like I would with fresh corn in the summer. Yeah. I had a little cilantro kind of little salad. It was like a little Little corn salad, little corn succotash thing. Side of ribs. Oh, side of ribs. Kurt made ribs. I'm feeling ribs. You know, you got pork in your freezer, Smarchy. I know. Actually, I'm pulling out the ham for Easter. We already pulled it out. The last ham, I'm pulling it out when I get home. Hurry, because it takes a couple days to unthaw. Well... It's I'm, the smallest one of okay, the three. Okay, because mine took a couple days. Yeah. It's unthawed and cut now, but... Yeah. yeah. No, mine is definitely... Uh, def- Part of Ellie's meal is ham. Ham. It is cheesy potatoes, which is two cups of sour cream, a cream of can of cream of chicken soup, Orida cubes, two pounds, and cheese. Oh. <laughs> and then you bake that. Orida cubes, like potato cubes. Yes. Okay. So like tots. So, yeah, it's but like, like cheesy home fries? potatoes... There's like cubes, like yeah. the smaller ones. Cheesy okay. potatoes, ham. I made some muffins. Um, what else am I going to give her? Oh, I'm going to give her a salad with some salad grill dressing. Oh, good. Some chocolates. That's and nice. Bring it to her house and be like, here, kid, make Happy your food. Star. Yeah. Oh, carrots, celery, and stuff for the. I gave her the ham bone so she can make pea soup after. Oh, good. Good. That was a real generous gift. Uh, yeah. Nobody. <laughs> I was like, why do I feel so bad giving her my ham bone? She's my child. You should be able to give it well, up. And also she knows how to use it, though. Yes. You should be because like. The, but it was like parting with like gold, yeah, like, yeah. oh, my ham bone. Yeah, your ham bone. I know. <laughs> I know. I think for Easter we are doing um, I'm making the crab cakes. That's the special special Yum. is making the crab cakes, uh, which Jake could just sit down and eat an entire plate of crab cakes, you know, Um and then, and that's the ocean air recipe, which I will figure out a way to post somewhere. Yeah, it's I gotta out find there. it. It's out there. Yeah, it's I've out done there. it a bunch of times. Um, and then I'm gonna make. Um, and then we're gonna have the ham. Um, you know, the big ham. And then I'm just making deviled eggs. I'm literally, it's gonna be like a three thing. And I'm, 
I feel like I should have put some arugula in there somewhere. You know what I mean? To make a green. You could serve the deviled eggs on the arugula. So if people yeah. wanted it. Maybe just jammy eggs instead of deviled eggs. Maybe yeah. half jammy, half deviled. I don't know. I don't know. I have to figure that out. But that's deviled kind eggs, of. I yum. know. I just want eggs. Instant pot, people. If you have an instant pot, you can throw as many eggs as you want in there. It's a five, five, five. Is it a five, five, five? It's a five, five, five. And what does that mean? Um, Five minutes. High pressure five. Yep. And then natural release five and then rinse or in cold water five. Okay. And then peel. Okay. I had to think about that, but I know. it's a five, five, five. I know. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. And high pressure. Is that what we yeah, think? Manual. Okay. Yep. Manual. Ha- high, high pressure. Okay. I like that. Oh, we have a couple calls. My Ooh. God. Okay. We have Pat on the line. Pat. To me, this is a year round molasses winner. And that magic is. Whether it's homemade chili, canned chili, whatever, you put all your ingredients in and you're heating them up, and then you put in a small amount of of uh, molasses and taste it and stir it, and then you keep tasting it until it's where you want it to be. It makes your any chili so delicious, and people don't even know it's in there, but they think. There's got to be a secret ingredient in there. <laughs> wow. This is really a good intel. And the the really cool thing is a lot of people don't cook in cast iron anymore. Yep. Right. So they get a lot of iron out of that molasses. And a blackstrap molasses is too strong for some people, but in chili, it's even better than the other molasses. Okay. Pat, Pat I... I, I cook in stainless steel because that imparts some chromium into your food, which is even more important than the iron in cast iron because it helps regulate the uh, spiking of the blood sugar in your body. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thanks so much, Pat. That was great. You know what? We have uh, Suniva. We're going to get back to her right when we come back, you guys. So we're going to, but I'm going to tell you, I put, I put cinnamon in my chili anyway, just plain cinnamon without sugar. So I always get a little bit of that depth too, but I, I do like a coffee and molasses to marinate pork chops. That's good. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back for hour two and we'll have one. We'll have a question when we start. So we'll be right back. This is a weekly dish. My talk one oh seven one.